as has been uh, <coughs> as has been our custom between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we give a shear. Leilui nishmat Esther Malka bat Avraham alea leshalom, Mrs. Goldman's mother. Is that right? Unfortunately, Mrs. Goldman is not here with us today because she. Well, the story is this: she had a hip replacement operation, and that wasn't bad enough. So then she broke her, broke her ankle. The reason that I mention this is that my wife had two hip replacement operations this year, and I'm hoping now that she doesn't decide to break her ankle. Um, we can only hope. Andrew is with his mother, so we have to put up with Daniel's jokes tonight. That's why I kept it short. <laughs> but you keep saying that you kept it short. It adds up, you know, little by little. What I'd like to do is say something about tshuva. We all know that uh, in spite of the fact that Yom HaKippurim is called Yom HaKippurim, which means Day of Atonement, which indicates somehow the certainty that we have that we'll get through it, nevertheless, in, on Yom HaKippurim, we're certainly called upon to do tshuva. And the reason that I know that is because we say the vidui again and again and again. Vidui's confession. Now, we don't confess to our sins on Yom HaKippurim. We confess to every possible sin that anybody might sin, which is kind of either a tremendous burden, I mean, if you go confessing to everything that's possible, or actually is a kind of a relief. Because if you accuse yourself of everything under the sun, maybe that means that you don't really get the thing that you are actually guilty of. So I don't know. I don't know how to take all of this. But I know that, I know that tshuva is difficult. Because it seems to me when I look around and I see people who have uh, uh, unacceptable uh, habits or do things in the wrong way, uh, they, they don't seem to be stopped by Yom HaKippurim. You know, Yom HaKippurim, you take a day off from the real, real life, you don't eat and you, you don't wear shoes, you don't look, uh, you don't do things that you usually do, you daven a lot on on Yom HaKippurim, but the day after Yom HaKippurim, it sort of more or less gets back to the way it was. Now what is the difficulty? What is the difficulty in doing tshuva? I mean, why shouldn't we easily be able to do tshuva? After all, according to the Ramban, according to the Rambam, doing tshuva is a mitzvah in Torah, and mitzvah in Torah means that it's democratic. You can do it. It's not that you say, uh, uh, jump through a hoop or climb a mountain. There are no mitzvot like that. Mitzvot are things that we should be able to do. And yet, and yet my feeling is that we're not always able, or many of us are not able, I include myself in this uh, category, are not able to really do tshuva. We're very busy, we're taking up with other things, we are the way we are, we don't think we're going to change very much. 
the husbands can tell that to their wives and the wives can tell that to the husbands. That's the way, that's the way we are. You know, that's the way it is. So I would like to just, uh, in order to further look into this matter, first telling, to, uh, looking at the second uh, source on the page, a few psukim. At the end of the book of Dvarim, at the end of the, there's a kind of um, very intimate conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and Hakadosh Baruch. So Moshe, so Hakadosh Baruch says to to Moshe, uh, "You're going to die." There's a kind of a depressing thing to say to Moshe Rabbeinu. Here Moshe Rabbeinu figures he brought the day Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael. He got them through the Egel. He got them through uh, the Miraglim. He got them through all kinds of other complaints that are made again and again and again. And here HaKadosh Baruch says to him, as, as the people are about to go to Eretz Yisrael, well, it's, it's, the whole thing is kind of hopeless. They're going to mess it up. They're going to mess up uh, their stay in Eretz, in Eretz Yisrael. And then, V'chara pibo bayomahu, right? I will be angry at them. V'azavtim v'startipen panay mehem. And I will be angry with them. And God says, I will hide my face from them. Hide my face? What does hide my face mean? It means distant, not close, not aware, not Rosh Hashanah, as we will see in a minute. And, and terrible things will happen to them. They will be sent around the world and, and sent into this diaspora and that diaspora. He says that people will say, this is because God has hidden his face from us. We're not with God anymore. So everything is helter-skelter. The world doesn't, uh, doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. So that's what people will say. They'll, they'll understand it. And then listen to this pasuk. Pasuk Yudchet. V'anochi haster astir panai bayom hahu al kol hara'a asher asa ki pana el Elohim achirim. Haster astir. And you know, you know, it's like a problem of, of grammar. I imagine there aren't too many people in this room who are enamored of grammar. But I'll tell you, the grammarians, the grammarians have a way of dealing with problematic formulations. Aster, aster. The uh, modern Hebrew grammarians call this lashon nofel alashon. It's a language that falls upon a language. Does that mean anything? No. Doesn't mean anything. You know, professional people develop a language with which they communicate with other people who know that language. And they leave everybody else out. So the point of 
The point of saying it's Lashon Nafel Lashon is that it sounds better than saying, I don't know. Right? It sounds better. Because if you're learning this, and you're learning the book of Dvarim, in Kita Zion or Kita Chet, and you come across this Pasuk, and you say to the teacher, why does the Torah say the second time, Aster, Aster? What's the difference between Aster, Aster and Aster? The teacher would not like to say, I don't know. That puts her on a par with the student, him or her, right on a par with the student, which is very bad for teachers. It's not only that they don't get a lot of money, but they don't get a lot of honor either. So if they say, Lashon, Ophel, Lashon, it sounds as though they know something. That's what they say. But in fact, in the Tanakh or in the Chumash, it's often true that the reduplicated language doesn't seem to mean anything at all. For example, could you tell me the difference between Yamut and Motumat? I mean, death, death is pretty final, right? You can't die verily, right? You die, you die. So there's no difference between dying with the word Yamut and dying with the, word, with the words Motamut. There's no, there's no difference. But here, the amazing thing in these psukim is that the real punishment that B'nai Yisrael will get for being as they will be, according to the psukim, is that God will not be close to them. It will be hard to be aware of God. That's the, that's the difficulty. They won't be aware of God. They'll be like people. Like people in the world, wherever you came from, there are people who are still there. There are people still there in that world. And you know, I don't know if God is there. I don't know if God is with them, whether it's in New York or in Canada or in England or in Australia. I mean, it's like, you know, it's different. It's different. Haster, haster, panai. God will hide his, God will hide his face. Okay, so that's the issue. That's the issue. Why haster astir? What's the difference between haster astir and astir? And so, you know, about two months ago, about two months ago, some Satmar guy, whose name is Yoel Klein, that is a real good Satmar name. Like, you can't, you almost can't beat it. He recorded, he recorded a song. He recorded a song, which itself is not a great thing today. Anybody can record a song. Everybody can sing a song. He recorded this song with a local yellow pella. You know what a yellow pella is? Like a little kid with a screechy voice. You know, that's a yellow pella. That's a yellow pella. And in certain circles, certain circles, recording with, you know, like having two people singing, an adult who's low pella, and a yelled who is Pele, that somehow makes it into a better, a better deal. So he recorded a song. Before we listen to the song, I mean, the, the, what's really amazing is not that he recorded the song. What is amazing is that even though he recorded it in his own language, you know, Satmar, Hungary, uh, you know, the way they, they talk, he recorded it that way. Soon thereafter, soon thereafter, Israeli singers 
Israeli religious singers re-recorded it so that people like us could understand what the words, what the words were about. Now, why did they do that? They did that because they thought it would sell, because it would be a big hit. Now, let's look at the words of the song. Here are the words of the song. You see, you have the third, the third uh, uh, thing here. Oh, it's not so in Yiddish. Is there anybody who understands Yiddish in this room? No, nobody. But you won't be annoyed if I read the words of translation. <laughs> it's like you know, it's heritage. You know about heritage? It's a good thing. The Abisha Zot ins Kinderlach. Akarish Bahu says to us, My children, my children, Anochi Haster Panai Bayomahu, I'm gonna hide my face on that day. Deber the Rebizot. And about that, the Rebbe says, now you know who the Rebbe is, there's only one Rebbe on Rosh Hashanah. So the, what? Which one? The Rebbe, the Rebbe Zot. I didn't ask for that music. No, different music. No, different music. The Rebbe Zot. Astara, even hidden within hiddenness. Bevadai kamsham nimsa Hashem Yitbarach. God is surely there. Even in hidden, within hidden, God is surely there. Certainly, when we, we think about the terrible things that are happening to you, right? You're talking about all the diasporas. And the Omeid, and the Omeid, and the Omeid. I'm standing. Who's standing? Who's there? Who's consistent? Now, if you look at the first. If you look at the first, uh, just for, uh, quickly at the first thing on the page, Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem, the first pasuk in Parashat Nitzavim. Now everybody knows what Rashi says, right? That Rashi, Rashi says that, not here, in the next pasuk, but Rashi says there's no message. It just says Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem. The message is that the agreement between HaKadosh Baruch and Am Yisrael, no matter what happens, but how bad we are and how much we are punished and how much Hester Panim there is, there is always man, the Am Yisrael, standing before HaKadosh Bo. So, here's the song. The song says that the Rebbe, and the Rebbe is Rav Nachman of Ratzlip, that the Rebbe says, Ani Omeid, Ani Omeid, Ani Omeid. Not only in a state of Hester, not only hiddenness, but Hester betoch Hester, beyond hiddenness. So now I just want to ask uh, uh, Daniel to play the music twice. First, first the original, the original of Yoel Klein. What? I see that your dog, your dog doesn't like it. You're going to hear this. Hey, 
the end of the words, the words at the end. Now let's sing it again. That's the fourth line. This is not Joe Klein, right? This is the this is the Joe Klein. Okay. Now you've heard it in Hebrew. Now you're gonna hear it in Satmar. Oh. Oh. Bye, yay, mahi. Mahi. Oh, the Reb is off. Bye, Again, so you can get it. It's a little repetitive. <laughs> you hear the pronunciation? Okay, 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 we heard two versions. This is the original version, Yo Klein, and we've heard another version by an Israeli crooner who, who, who pronounces the words in a more kind of uh, um, obvious way. So this song, this song this year, this song has been a tremendous hit in various, uh, uh, in yeshivot, 
in Haredi Yeshivot, in, in, in Dati Luli Yeshivot. It's, it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendous success. And the question, of course, you might ask, I mean, I don't think it's because of the music. And I don't think it's because of the Yelatella. I think there must be some idea here which is very attractive. Now, what is that idea? And that idea is, uh, as he says, he says it's what the Rebbe said. And the Rebbe is, um, the Rebbe is Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlaff. And uh, the Rebbe, he's not the only one. I don't mean to say that. It's, uh, it's an idea that appears here and there in different, in different ways. But I want to learn with you a little bit of what Rav Nachman says about Haster Astir. And you see that it's here, right, the second part of the page. Right, Kiyeshte Hasterot. There are two kinds of hiddenness. If it's only one hastara, it's hard to find God. You could find him if it's one hastara. Anyway, what I think that he is saying is, what I think we're not going to say is that sometimes, you know, things are hidden. You chase somebody into a dark, into a dark place. I remember we were kids, we had a big basement in the house, in the apartment house that I lived in. And the kids used to run around and play, going down the steps, up the steps, into this room, out of that room. And sometimes you would chase somebody and you'd lose him. It was very dark in the basement. So that's called Hastara. Because even though I don't know where he is, and even though I have no way of communicating with him, but I know he's there. I saw him run into that dark basement. On the other hand, on the other hand, uh, uh, sometimes you just go into a dark place. You know, you ever go into a dark place? And, and suddenly you get nervous. And you say, hello? Hello, anybody there? Everybody, you have no reason to think that anybody is there. But you say, you ask the question, anybody there? Now, Rav Nachman's ideology, or the, uh, Rav Nachman's theory of, of reality was that you could always find God. It's true. God might be hidden twice over. There might not be any remnant of the presence of God. But if you look hard and you develop that ability to look and to understand, you will be able to understand and to find HaKadosh Baruch. Now what does this have to do? What does this have to do with us, with Rosh Hashanah and Yom HaKippurim? Everybody knows. Everybody knows that even though Rosh Hashanah is called in the Torah, it's called Yom HaZikaron. Zikaron. I don't know exactly what that word refers to, but the Torah says also, Zichron Trua. 
zikaron, zichron, and zichron trua. And the way we understand it is that that sometimes you do the zichron with a trua, and sometimes you do the zichron without a trua. But this idea of zikaron was somehow not seen by the Chachamim as as give me a complete understanding of Rosh Hashanah. So they added to that Yom Hadin. And what does Yom Hadin mean? What does Yom Hadin mean? Yom Hadin means v'chein tein pachtecha Hashem v'chein kol ma'asecha v'chein tzadikim yehu v'yisma What is Yom Hadin? You stand in awe because even though you don't know exactly where this judgment is taking place, you are confident that the judgment is taking place. You're standing before the Rebbeinah Svarnam in Yom That's Hatzdara. And by bringing you close to that Hatzdara, by, by creating a, a, a feeling of fear, which is what the essence of Rosh Hashanah is, we did that. It's in the, well, in the, in the, in the davening. You know, not the piyutim. Piyutim are, are not important. The essential davening is what's important. The, the words, we call, the, the chazanim called the nusach. The nusach is not the piyutim. The nusach is the uvechein, 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 velochal kola oretz, that's the essence of the description of the day of Rosh Hashanah. And the essence of the description of the day of Rosh Hashanah is that it's Yom Hadin. And what does Yom Hadin mean? That someplace hidden from us, there is, there is a din. There is judgment. And because of the judgment, we fear. We enter into the fear of standing before HaKadosh Baruch what is Yom HaKippurim? That's the Hastora, the Tocha Hastora. There's no judgment. There's no, there's no, uh, no response. There's nothing that we do all the talking. We're doing everything on, on Yom HaKippurim. And on Yom HaKippurim, we're in a state of the Hastara, the Tocha Hastara. We're looking to find a closeness to God. Closeness to God is what enables us in the final analysis to come out of Yom Kippurim with the good feeling that we had when we went into, we went into Yom Kippurim. So, the song, I think, I think reflects this need that we have to distinguish between Rosh Hashanah, Hatser, fear, and Yom Kippurim, where we are defending ourselves. Our defense is vidui. We confess again and again and again until in heaven we assume, even though we don't see it, we don't know where it is, we don't know how it is, we assume that, that, that heaven cannot ignore our confession, which is the ikar, the essential nature of, uh, of Yom Kippurim. It's interesting that Yom Kippurim starts off with the prayer. It's accepted in all of Klal Yisrael called Kol Nidre. Kol Nidre has no halachic, real halachic significance. It kind of really doesn't mean anything. I mean, what did I do? Did I, did I swear to something? Did I say something? I don't even know. If I did, I don't know what it was too. But you think Kol Nidre is going to take part of Kol Nidre says 
the first step, the first step in standing before God who is hidden is to take your words seriously. What you say, you take it seriously. If you get to that state where you take yourself seriously, then Kodidre just moves you on into the into the davening. And the davening of Yom HaKippurim is the vidui. That's what it is. That's what we do on Yom HaKippurim. We say the vidui again and again, so much so that the vidui pushed out the tefillah of slicha. Pushed it out. Pushed it out of Yom HaKippurim. We only say slichas at, at ni'ilah. But uh, the chakra is musa, mincha, we don't say we don't say slichas for some odd reason. Slichas is the ultimate prayer. That's the ultimate way to address HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not on Yom HaKippurim. On Yom HaKippurim, what we do is vidui. That's what we do. We take ourselves seriously. We say words that are meaningful. We try to find our way back to God by becoming worthy of that hastora betocha hastora. It seems to me that the song and Rav Nachman of Braslav, in his kind of analysis of things, uh, became meaningful suddenly. People saw it as being something worth thinking about. So I leave you with this idea. It's Hester Panem. Always Hester Panem, but it's also Hester Betocha Hester. And what we have to do is fight our way through that Hester Panem. It's not like we are, we are destined to being in this state forever. It's up to us. Though we work at it, if we do something, if we act it out, we will become, we will become what we should be. I wish you all Gmachimatoiva. Uh, have a, a, a good, great Yom Kippur. They say in England, well over the fast, which I guess means, which I guess means you're supposed to fast. Uh, um, and so, Sukkis uh, doesn't come far behind. Sukkis is really the celebration of the new people. We have all those mitzvot, endless on, 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 on uh, Sukkot. We want to do them and do them as well as we can. Right, we have the lulav and the esrog and the sukkah, and it's like it's like a whole world we have to create for ourselves after after Yom Kippur. So I feel about Astora, I feel about Hester Shavas Astora. Ani omed, ani omed, ani omed means that's like Hakadosh Baruch said the parsha of Nitzavim, atem Nitzavim ayom lefanai, which means this is the way it will always be, as bad as you get and as deviant as you become. We'll be standing here together just as we did, we were when we, uh, when we signed on to the covenant, uh, before the Eretz, the entry to Eretz Israel. All the best. Uh,